welcome back to another cliche podcast. Today I have with me Ife McKinde. We are going to discuss the cliche beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Now, Ife, do you know where this cliche originates from? Um, I do. It originated from the third century BC in Greek. It wasn't really in the phrase beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but was variously used and expressed in a bunch of written forms with the same thought. But um, a bunch of other authors have used that same thought and idea over time. And I think you know where it was first used as beauty in the eye of the beholder for the first time in written text. Yeah, so I found that the author Margaret Wolf Hungerford had a book called Molly Brown. It was written in 1878, where it used the whole cliche as a way to say that beauty is subjective and that personal taste influences whether or not we do find something or someone beautiful. Mm -hmm. With that being said, would you agree with this, her use of the cliche? Would that be how you interpret it? I believe that for something or someone to be considered beautiful, it, it does depend on the view of the statement by the person the sentiment is coming from. So whether I view a piece of artwork or a photograph as beautiful is different from how somebody else would view that same thing beautiful because maybe their life experiences or their preferences contribute to whether they think this thing carries work. Yeah, and I agree with that. At the same time, sometimes I wonder, is it true that it's in the eye of the beholder? How much of that is up to us? And by that, I'll explain. Sometimes I feel like our perceptions are so heavily influenced by the media and by marketing just because we we're from Canada like we're from North America which is capitalist society Mm -hmm. so they always try to market things and, and the beauty industry itself is such it is it's a very dangerous industry because if you if you don't have I feel like let's say there's 10 like check boxes and if you don't even have 50% of them you're screwed not even in the beauty industry but you're screwed socially because everybody wants to see those beauty aspects in everybody else so they may change themselves not per se like plastic surgery but they may do things to change their personalities to change the way their hair is tied, looks, or braided, just so they can fit into this kind of stereotype of what they think they find beautiful, but it's just been marketed to them that this is beautiful. So you kind of can disagree with beauty as an eye of the beholder once you dig deep into why do I think blonde hair is beautiful on girls and blonde hair isn't beautiful on guys or why do I think a large chest is nice on guys that kind of thing there's a Mm -hmm. lot of different things you can consider we're marketed a lot a lot of stuff and your eyes the way that you view the world is very important for how you you live the world you know yeah and I feel like I'm not I don't want to say that men don't get uh certain beauty standards put on them because they do mm-hmm. but as in my experience growing up in Canada from from you know being a little girl and then going through puberty and seeing 
how the trends change. Oh, they yeah. can literally sell you a body type. Mm -hmm. So a body type can go in and out of style mm -hmm. from yeah. in the early 2000s when Friends was really popular. It's still really popular, but yeah, that was when anorexia was kind of on the Huge. forefront of magazines. Yeah. And it was in to be very thin. And now we kind of have the Kardashian dynasty where taking over it's curvy is that cover everywhere. So it's dangerous that we're selling mm -hmm. a body type very or a body image when naturally as human beings, we're all going to be different. Oh, yeah. It's just all in your DNA. Where your ancestors fr are from, that's how you're going to end up growing up to be. Like your height, your weight, your eye color, your diet, how you digest things. That all depends on where your ancestors came from. Because my ancestors are all Nigerian. Like there's probably a couple of rapes and pilgrimages here and there, but mostly Nigerian. Oh, that's it's dark. Just, yeah, everybody's had it, you know. What, what, uh, let's not dive into that. That's yeah. another episode. We could do that later. Uh, but for me, most of my, my people are, I don't know. I've just always heard like thick bone. Mm. Like it's good to be thick bone. You're skinny and you go to like your grandma's house. Your grandma wants to fatten you up. Cause yeah. that back in the old days, even kings of Europe, if you were fat, it was good because that means you had money to get fat. Oh, because so, everyone else was starving. Exactly. Everybody yeah. else was starving. Over there, it's like, okay, not like it's it, they see it the same way, but it, it shows you're healthy. Yeah, and you I'm have sure. have the food to eat. You can provide. I haven't been to Nigeria in like a couple of years, but the advertisements that I saw on TV when I was there in 2017, they're so different from what I saw here. You can really see like marketing. Marketing really does a great job. It's nuts how they sell to you body types. You see all of these skin lightening creams that are on sale and you go to the mall and I don't know, like say like tanning, tanning lotion over here yeah. is the thing that you'd see like that's getting sold out, but skin lightening creams are being sold out over there. And it's like, why would you want to chemically bleach your skin because you want to look like somebody who doesn't understand this is the way you were created because it's a it's a colorism issue kind of and not kind of it really is it's, I agree yeah yeah like a lot of people will come over to Africa and say like oh you guys are savages the darker the skin the uglier you are so you want to get fair and lovely it's a brand it's called fair and lovely my mom used to bleach her skin and I didn't understand really what it was at first. But then as a kid, you're kind of like, you don't really want to overstep your boundaries as a child to your parent and be like, why are you bleaching? Why are you, why are you making your skin lighter? Does that mean I have to be lighter too? Because yeah. if you don't think you're pretty, that means you don't think I'm pretty. Mm. And that's, so, that is not an empowering mindset. And I, I agree. It's it's marketing. And then another part of it, too, is when I was researching, the biggest thing that came across for me when I was looking up 
beauty standards from around the world, very popular ones, skin complexion. I think that was the number one. one thing that a lot of different countries had in common. A lot of the Asian countries have skin bleaching like you were talking about. Yeah. And the history kind of behind that is I think it shows status. So people mm-hmm. who worked out in the fields. Yeah, their skin is darker. That's that's darker the same thing. Yeah. That had money back then would be fairer. Or even the last time that I went to Vietnam, I think it was 2015. I went to, first of all, I didn't <laughs> think I would stick out so much like a tourist, but I did because I was wearing <laughs> shorts. Nobody oh, no. wears shorts there. They're looking at, at you like, excuse me, do you want to get skin cancer or do you want to get tan? Like, what are you doing? It's so hot, but nobody's wearing short sleeves. They're wearing longer sleeves and pants. I guess as a form of protection, but also because they didn't want to get dark. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But when my cousins took me to the beach, I was like, okay, this this is a place to wear swimwear. <laughs> this makes sense, you know. And I look behind me. I, again, the water. I look behind me in the distance. And this girl is in a sweater, a full-on oh, no. sweater. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. This I was is in some deep rooted colorism. I turned to my cousin. I'm like, isn't she hot? Like, I don't understand this. And my cousin was like, no, she's trying not to get tanned. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll see that here in Canada as well. If people of East Asian descent mm-hmm. or first generations in Canada, mm-hmm. you might see them wearing the gloves or the visor hats and, and I love those visors. I want one. <laughs> so that's it's a smart invention. Like honestly, like I digress, but, but it really is. It really is. <laughs> I don't think I can pull it off though. If I could, could I, I I yeah, um, one day, one day. Yeah, and I think it wasn't until I got older that I realized how funny or not it's not even funny it's kind of sad yeah how ridiculous it was that because tanning is such a thing here oh yeah exactly like it's so weird everyone back home wants Mm -hmm. to be lighter but oh when you get here you're like why is everybody getting darker what's happening and i i'm so sorry but i hate when people tell me oh my god i'm almost as dark as you now i my hand itches to slap somebody because it's rude and it's insensitive and it's wrong. I, I don't want to hear anybody tell me during the winter months and the summer months, whatever month it is of the year, mm-hmm. every 65 days, I don't want to hear, oh my God, I'm almost as dark as you. And you're joking about it because everybody wants to be black until it's unfortunate to be black. I think this cliche of beauty being in the eye of the beholder is very geographically oh yeah determines your standards Mm -hmm. especially when I was looking up what people what other countries around the world find beautiful Mm -hmm. my other major is disability studies Mm -hmm. and one of the things that we talk about sometimes that people often overlook is in beauty campaigns or anything like that you don't see 
someone that's physically disabled represented as beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think it's very rare to see it. I think I've only seen it as a... As a way to get money. Yeah, a company's way of advertising. Look how diverse we are. Yep. Buy this lotion. (laughs) Yeah. You know? it's, it's, It's weird. Not like it's weird to see people with disabilities portrayed as beautiful but it's not normalized it's seen as oh my god you guys you this company did such a great thing they they put a disabled person or they put a dark-skinned person or they put an albino person inside of a commercial yeah like they put their token person they put a token inside of their commercial and then everyone gets like so happy and then you feel good and then it's like wait a minute Check their stocks for a second. Their stocks rose how many percent? They gained a lot of money just from airing those two commercials, maybe what, five times in the past month. And then all of a sudden you stop seeing those commercials and then the hype dies down. And then this company never airs a commercial like that again. It's just, it's what happens. It's a temporary uh, campaign. It's a temporary campaign. It's a temporary solution to a forever problem. And so. I don't want to. And I don't want to say that it's not good to have them mm-hmm. in it. I mean, that's definitely a step forward. It is. I guess um, it's just that we can keep marching on. If you know, yeah. What I mean. There's 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 a demand for it. I don't think they should stop the production. I think they should just add more. Because look at what happened with after Fenty Beauty came out with all of these shades for dark skin girls. Everyone hopped on that train and all these other beauty companies came out with more dark shades. And I was like, I hate all of you. <laughs> all this time I've been mixing foundations to find my shade. And Fent- Rihanna came out with one for, and she, I'm going to cry. She did it for, she <laughs> took one for the team. And then all you guys are just trying to piggyback on Rihanna's back. This uh, whole episode is just, uh, you know, trying to get sponsored by Fenty Beauty. I mean, if she really wants to, I would not be opposed. <laughs> I, please. But yeah, like it sucks, but it's, if that's the step forward that we're able to take, you, you know, like, you kind of have to grab onto it while you can. Yeah, that momentum to keep going forward. Exactly, like, because I'm not trying to use the word stingy, but, like, if we decline those opportunities, when next is the door going to open? Yeah, I definitely agree. So when I was looking at beauty standards around the world, I talked about the skin lightening being something that was very popular that came up. Mm-hmm. Not, not just skin lightening, skin darkening, basically the whole thing around skin complexion being a, a major yeah. topic. Uh, the other thing that came up a lot was body modification. Oh, yeah. Uh, in every place, it, it, it's different. Mm-hmm. So it, it could be anything from tattoos to scarring to plastic surgery mm-hmm. or even one of the more rare traditions that uh you've probably seen is the neck lengthening coils Mm -hmm. and it's of a a a tribe in myanmar 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 yeah and and also in thailand i think it's a subgroup 
I mean, it's rare. It's a rare thing, but because it's so rare, like I, I'm sure a lot of people have seen pictures. Yeah, uh, talked about it. Same with the tribe that Mercy. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Mercy <laughs> or Surrey in Ethiopia. They have that lip plate. Oh, okay. And that yeah, lip yeah. plate is inserted to show that they are of childbearing age, and even. Oh, some people do it here too, but stretching of your earlobes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Maasai, I might be saying it wrong. Maasai, mm-hmm. Maasai, I'm going to say Maasai in Kenya with their stretched earlobes. And in so Nigeria, there are that- tribal marks too. Hmm? They have like this, like um, tribal marks. So you can, you, not you can, but like from when you're young or when you reach a certain age or a celebration for some whatever reason they cut up your skin scarification yeah so scarification on your face or certain types of tattoos on your body my parents have them I I didn't know what it was my dad has one on his forearm a tattoo or a scar it's it's like a tattoo so it's this type of plant that when you mix it with with this other thing it burns your skin so he did this when he was like really really young it's just like a thing that kids do sometimes like hey we're friends let's all get the same one oh so it doesn't really okay got it got it got it yeah but so they would all do it and he still has it and his friends still have those marks so for them, right like ugh, i hope not these guys did not turn out well oh gosh but like oh. my mom has like the the beauty scars and her siblings have those like the scarifications on their cheeks oh wow yeah for them it was you're pretty for some people it shows your status what tribe you came from like there are lots of tribes that have the marks like the tattoo my dad has on his arm some people some tribes do those on their face to show which tribe they're from and then it shows this is how much wealth i have this is how many daughters or sons i have kind of thing that's what the I don't know if I'm saying it right, but the Maori tribe in New Zealand. That's yeah, known Maori for the, do it too. The, the face chin. tattoos where it goes from the bottom lip to the chin. Yeah. Uh, they call it Tamoko and Ooh. it shows their genealogy. They don't do it as much now because they're just more I know one girl who does it. Genealogy I know one girl who status has is what it shows. The, what? It shows their genealogy. So who their ancestors were uh, and their, okay. their status. Hmm. And then about the scarring of the face that you're talking about, I did find that the Karo, or maybe it's pronounced Karo tribe in Ethiopia, the thing that was interesting to me is, I did you know that Iran, they call it the air quote, rhinoplasty capital of the world? Get out. Yes. Because to represent how much money they have or status, because oftentimes their nose is shown. Mm -hmm. If they get their nose done and it's like the ideal nose bridge. Yeah. Then people are like, ooh, you know, ooh, she's she she got money, you know. So, yeah, that's cool. That's cool, but like interesting. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the time these beauty standards that we have universally aim for to look rich mm-hmm. and to look young. Oh yeah. I, I don't know one. of any country where they're aiming to look 
older. Oh, unless we're talking about over here where the little girls oh, yeah. are oh, trying gross. to look older yeah. way too soon with the, <laughs> the disgusting. Makeup. I'm so sorry, but I'm so mad at that. It sucks. Why why was I wearing bright green eyeshadow and plaid on plaid at 12? And these little girls have the most perfect cut creases and the most winged eyeliner with falsies, and they have Gucci bags. This isn't fair. You okay? know the struggle is I look like I'm still in high school, <laughs> and these high school girls look older than me. Dating is a whole other game. <laughs> I'm short too, so it's worse. Like, and oh I have a God. baby face. Cindy, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I have to pull out my ID on a date. It's like, I swear. I swear. I was born in the late 90s. Um, Yeah, so I think ageism is also a thing in in North America for marketing. Yeah. How to look younger. Although sometimes for male celebrities, I've noticed that when male celebrities get older, they are... Suddenly, Their popularity dies off. The male celebrities? Yo, yeah, what? No, I feel like they get more popular. Like George Ooh. Clooney, a young George Clooney, whatever, an older George Clooney. <laughs> yes, like, do you know what okay. I mean? Like they're, Paul they're Rudd, the Paul Rudd. Let me. Can we? Sorry, I'm gonna go. Can we just talk about Paul Rudd for a few minutes? <laughs> because yes, I'm okay, here no. for him. You know who we're gonna talk about? Denzel Washington. Okay. Thank you, God. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying, though? It's as the men get older, we're like, ooh, look at him. But then nobody says that. Nobody says that about women. You know what they say? You know what they say about women? They say, whoa, look at her. She looks so good for 50. I would have never guessed. Well, are there any last thoughts you want to add in about? The cliche beauties in the eye of the beholder in terms of your personal life or as a photographer, any? Um, I think mostly it's a just subjective statement. But then again, a lot of statements are subjective. I don't know. It just feels like, again, as a photographer, what I want to see at the end of a shoot is different from what another photographer would like to see at the end of a shoot. And it just sucks that there's so much pressure being put on everybody to look a certain way and act a certain way or even be a certain way because there's all these aesthetically pleasing things that everybody wants to see and hear. And if you don't adhere to those, you're not a part of the group. And it kind of sucks. Is like everybody wants to feel included. That's, that's, it's in your DNA. Every human being wants to feel like they're a part of something. So everybody's going to feel like they need to change something if they are not included. I mean, doesn't that limit your creativity as a photographer? It it does. It does. I feel like if I want, especially like as a Black female, mm-hmm. there's so many things that I have to pick and choose to adhere to. And then I have to realize it's not just me feeling this way. There's also other other women, girls moms aunts who feel the same way I do for there to be a change in the world it doesn't start with one big movement it's a bunch of tiny steps that show that something happened yeah and so no I mean even in terms of if you want to do 
a shoot that is non-traditional, that is a risk because not as many people are going to be like, oh, this isn't aesthetically pleasing. You don't yeah. get the like, you don't get the whatever it is you're aiming for, you know what yeah. I mean? That. Yeah, that that also is a, yeah, because the, the final product also matters a lot for at the end of the day, will the person who's paying for this really like it? Because they paid for a certain thing. And if I want to, I don't know, edit it a certain way that doesn't appeal to the aesthetic that they're going for, it's not to to them, it's not worth the money. But to me, it's worth the money. Let's say I charge $400 for a shoot. To me, that shoot is worth $400. I have to make it so that that shoot is worth $400 to them as well. Yeah, of course. A final thought that I want to put in there is just because we're both women. So we talked about beauty standards and how it affects women, but we should kind of, we're, we're not, men. we're not men. So we're not experiencing what men are experiencing, but we can touch upon what we've observed. Yeah. How beauty standards affect men and how it's, I feel like it's changed over the years. It has. I think there is more marketing towards them compared to when we were younger to be fit to be that built gym bod yeah oh yeah the thing is they also sell the dad bod i was thinking exactly there's like thing. the flip, like there was the whole yeah there's no in between mm-hmm. that's kind of out there it's like you're either the cuddly dad bod or <laughs> ooh, you're the super ripped mm-hmm. tall and and the thing about height too height is very emphasized Height is a dangerous thing. I feel bad because there's a lot of men who the normal height, let's say 50 years ago, is not the same normal height now because genes and what people eat, it changes normal a lot or even of things. Like average. Oh, yeah, nor- average, sorry. The scientific average height for a man in his 20s is different 50 years ago from now because of the things we eat the activities we take part in nowadays, it's, it's going to change some things. So a lot of people feel like there's so many tall guys. So I want a tall guy and I hate short guys. And then 50 years ago, that guy wasn't short. 20 years ago, that guy wasn't short. But all of a sudden, all these movies are coming out with super tall people mm-hmm. and all these shows are coming out with super tall people. Now all these guys who were who used to be average height now feel I'm not adequate. I'm not tall enough. And then this girl won't like me because I'm not tall enough. And it does damage their self-esteem. I've seen it happen to some people I know. But then there's a lot of people who have that Napoleon complex, like I'm short and I'm hot. So for men? Oh yeah. Oh Oh, yeah. I Uh, I know a couple of people who who are not crazy about why like they're happy that they're short, but to them it's I've been dealt the cards that I've been dealt and I'm going to use this to the best of my ability. Like they're confident. They're, they're confident in it because they experience being non-confident in it. Yeah. And confidence goes a long way. I think that's a game changer. So that's great. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a radio show and they, they were talking about how in dating apps, someone did an experiment and just same pictures, same profile, different height. All they changed was the height and they got more swipe, uh, like like Get swipes, out. not like go away swipes, you know? <laughs> but like the yes. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. God. There are standards for them out there. 
Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, height is not something they can change. Yeah. Well, they can wear lifts. Like you know yeah, how we okay. wear heels. They can exactly. Wear lifts. Well, I thank you for recording this episode with me. Thank you for having me. And thank you to the audience for listening.